Truth and Reality with host Chris Houston. A show for those with a passion for the paranormal. And now, welcome to the show. Welcome to Paranormal Truth and Reality. I'm your host, Christopher Houston, and we're here with special guests tonight, Jamie and Daniel from Cherry Capital. Uh, I lost my train of thought, but uh, <laughs> sorry about that, guys. Um, we uh, They're a fairly well-known paranormal team that's been in the paranormal for quite a while. They're working on a new project, which we're going to actually open up and announce a little bit tonight. But uh, welcome, guys. I apologize for that. It's been a long day. hey it's all good it's all good it's been a long day for us here we're experiencing some bad weather up here in northern lower michigan so (laughs) i can imagine actually i have some family that's uh up in the upper peninsula of michigan so they they always get terrible weather up there and bad reception all kinds of crazy things going on oh yeah my dad my dad's a youper himself he was born and raised out in sitting this so you know (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess let's just jump in here a little bit and and uh, tell us, guys, what brought you into the paranormal. Well, Jamie, why don't you start? All righty. Um, so I was raised in a haunted house from the time I was two years old. My dad's first wife haunted our house, and my mother was Native American, and she just never hid it from us. So it was just normal table talk at our house. Um, when I was four years old, I was playing with dolls, talking to um, spirits. My brothers thought I was crazy. Um, when I got to be about you know, 12, 13, I started playing in cemeteries with my friends and going to investigate haunted houses. And my three sisters are all into it, too. So, like I said, it just was table talk. And it just developed this huge passion for history and a huge passion for wanting to know what these spirits are here for if they need us you know calling out for help communicating with us so that's just been my passion is to to find these answers that's uh, actually you know a lot of people um they have the passion but they don't have the passion for the key quote that you just said and that's the answers <laughs> they kind of they kind of <laughs> stop at the the searching i guess you could say um and that's a key part of any paranormal experience or any experience especially in the ghost field the paranormal goes way beyond the ghost field but uh the key is searching for those answers sometimes you find them sometimes you find out they're not what you think and sometimes mm-hmm. you you find out that they uh are what you think, you just can't explain them. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, after you guys started your search, I'm sure that you probably built a team or maybe you found yourself to each other and built a team, however uh, that works. So let's talk about that a little bit and and uh, your first beginnings and how you got to the point to where you're a little bit more to, to kind of a professional level now because it takes a while. I think a lot of right. listeners and those that watch television don't understand that since we don't have a rule book or a guidebook when you're dealing with anything <laughs> paranormal, um, that you kind of have to learn along this road. And even if you have a college education, as an example, because I know a lot of university people, they still have to learn as they go. They know what they're supposed to find, but then when they get stumped with what they can't explain, it's kind of <laughs> one of those okay, I'm not sure how we're going to go about this. We're just going to try this. Yep, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, 
if, if it's something that I really don't know, because, I mean, Jamie, Jamie here is the one that knows more about the science aspect than what I do. I basically know more about the equipment, so I'm basically like our lead investigator in a way. I train our – when we get new members on our team, we, I'll train them to learn how to use equipment and all that stuff. But uh, um, to give you a little insight about me, um, I've, been, I've been in the field for about 10 years plus now. Um, I started out, you know, it was, I was involved in a bad marriage. You know, I had to get my mind focused uh, off of a lot of things going on negative-wise. So um, I remembered about joining the volunteer fire department and EMS crew here out here in the Fife Lake area, and I was with them for about five years. I could not get by the state written exam. Um, it, I have a learning disability, but I don't really want to – to interfere with anything that's coming my way, my dreams or anything of that. I don't let that push me away from anything. So, I mean, but taking the written exam three times, you know, I go by a three-strike rule, three strikes, you're out. So that's when I got really in my marriage, and I focused on my marriage at that time, and it turned out bad. And I moved back in with my parents. I collected I collected SSI. You know, I really can't couldn't work or anything, so... I started out doing research. I asked my theory on uh, on my phone, how do I become a paranormal investigator? Thought of an experience I had. I was quite skeptical when I first started. Never really believed in it, in the paranormal, until my buddies came over and said, I want to take pictures in your house because I was involved in a paranormal investigation downstate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My buddy calls me over the computer. My mouth hits the floor because there's a face in my room. I've never seen anything like that before in my life, so I thought of that experience. So that's what drew me into this field. Siri told me to do some research first before you consider asking a team to start because you want some knowledge into it. I was, you know, I didn't know anything about it, so I did my research for five years. Getting pushed away from a lot of teams, just didn't join them. So I basically, um, finally, after another couple months of looking for a team around my area, I, I joined up as a team in Traverse City and was with them for about a year and a half and found out I was being led down the wrong way in our field. So I had no choice but to start up my own team, and I was North Area Paranormal Society. Uh, we owned that group for a year, and then, um, you know, I got to – I want to kind of back away from that because, you know, I want to gain my knowledge up a little bit. So the team went off and did their own thing for a little bit while I was gaining my knowledge, and then, you know – Jamie, Jamie had uh, Michigan Shadow Seekers going, and then uh, we linked back up, and I had Cherry Capital Paranormal Investigations, and we did the merge, and we changed our name, and we added the two names together, Cherry Capital Shadow Seekers, right. and here we are now. Awesome. You know, you actually brought up some very uh, valid points that I think a lot of people don't understand. Um, in, in a simple term, in a very political term, I appreciate that, but that is finding out that teams are going the wrong way. Um, and uh, I think that's actually important for people to understand, listeners to understand, viewers to understand. There's multiple different levels of the paranormal, so to speak. And one of those levels of the paranormal are people that they're not quite in it for the answers, seeking the truth, seeking the th you know, yeah. doing what you're supposed to be doing. 
Um, they're more in it for what they saw on television, so they want to repeat the process and they want to be on television or they want to create their TV channels and get their following. And don't get me wrong, listeners, when I say this or anybody that's listening tonight, I have no problem with that. I understand that. Hey, that, that's right. a part of TV and media. I've been a part of TV and media for God knows how many years now. <laughs> but <laughs> um, very well respected. Um, yeah, but um, – <laughs> There's there's a difference between that and real paranormal study and real paranormal investigation, and there's a difference between paranormal study and paranormal investigation. Uh, for instance, I, I myself spent 23 years in, in paranormal study and only about 9 to 10 years in paranormal investigation in that total amount. Now, what is paranormal study? Well, study is the science people don't believe is there. There are a lot of universities, there are a lot of scientists, there are a lot of geologists, there are a lot of people in, in the realm of the paranormal. They're just not looking for the same thing that paranormal investigators may be looking for. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, but you're, oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, but you're totally correct, because if, I, if someone ever comes, you know, that's my first saying to them is, well, I don't believe, and then I'll be like, well, everything I believe in, I can prove it to you by metaphysical science. And then when I start giving them, like, scientific proof of things, they start to listen just a little bit. <laughs> well, and I spent a lot of my career, I still do when I'm out there. Sometimes people are astounded, even with the most simple techniques. I've, I've had seasoned investigators of 20 or 30 years get frustrated with me because of simple things like um, light variable technique. Well... One of the techniques that I've been testing for the past year and a half, I started a long time ago on, and I'm going to advance on now, meaning we're going to be using laser lights. We're going to be using different patterns and flashing lights, different colors of lights. We're going to light up rooms in different avenues out of curious nature. Now, right. what I found in the original tests were it does two things. For some reason, it changes the atmosphere in a room, which causes some unusual things to happen. And if you place a person in the middle of all this, it also causes a psychological effect and a mental effect, which can cause <laughs> things to happen. Uh, <laughs> but it becomes a very interesting science. Um, you know, other things that a lot of people don't do are like um, elemental testing. You know, if you think that theoretically something is drawn off of the water or the elements – then the logical thing would be to test the water, the elements, get the frequencies, get the data, get the collection, and also at the same time use the other equipment and see if the things spike together. If they do, Correct. guess what? You got an anomaly. <laughs> right. Yep. You know, uh, something I, I started out in when I, when I first started out was, you know, I went to my hardware store and I went to my local um, Army-Navy surplus store I bought me a compass, and I actually use a stud finder when I first started because I read something about on Google about you can use a stud finder as a as a EMF meter, but you know that spirit has got to get really close to you in order to use it. But you know you can use the simplest things in our field, and you know one of the original tools in the book was a compass. I actually used that when I first started. You know, a compass actually does work for many, many things because I think people don't quite understand a lot of times it's for – it. a compass works based off of magnetic fields. Yeah. Um, and if a magnetic field is disturbed, your compass is not going to work. Yeah. Um, 
and that is a very simple thing to use. I know a lot of people are controversial on dowsing rods, but dowsing rods have seen some capability that's unexplained when you're determining wells and structures underground, things along those lines. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm a big one on digital recorders. Uh, and believe it or not, I still have old reel-to-reels and old tape recorders. Uh, wow. Oh, I, that's why I've been wanting to use mine. Mine actually was quite interesting. I had a case out on Front Street here in Fife Lake, and uh, my tape recorder actually malfunctioned, and it won't work anymore. And all that evidence on that cassette tape kind of got destroyed during the process. I don't know how it did, but, you know, it's quite weird how it happened because it was actually in my grandmother's house. <laughs> I actually weird. started a long time ago in EVP recordings and audio technology before I ever got my audio degree when I was a kid on a reel-to-reel. Um, and I was fascinated with white noise and EVP for quite a number of years, so I applied that once I started to get into the ghost field and used the same reel-to-reel, which I actually still have in my basement from time to time. It's hard to take the locations because, God, they're heavy. They're at least 75 pounds. <laughs> but um, I got to tell you, some of the most unique recordings I ever got, and I understand audio disturbance when you're dealing with tapes, you have an old-fashioned mic on the thing, blah, 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 blah. But some of the most unique sounds I got were off of tape and reel-to-reel. I've gotten some great AVPs off of digital, but it's it's a little different. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. So venturing further a little bit, let's talk about some of the locations you guys have been at and um, some of the more memorable things that you want to share. Then we'll we'll get into introducing the new project a little bit. Well, um, one of our biggest unique investigations we've ever had was when I had NAPS and Jamie was, well, it was one of the first investigations that we had with Jamie a part of, big ones. And uh, we happened to walk into an under undisclosed location in Traverse City to a client's house and uh, had nothing to you know, think of it, but um, we walked in this client's house not realizing a doll was going to play a factor. And, uh, you know, we had some EVP confirmations that night saying that um, a little girl was trapped in doll. When, you, when most people think, you know, it'd be kind of like the Annabelle case where it's demonic and all that stuff, you know, we're kind of skeptical when it comes to demonic anyways. We think it's more so negative, negativity, you know, negative attachments, negative energy, yeah. basically. And um, this little girl was 12 years old, and she happened to have been around in the 1900s. And uh, she was very, she was one of the sweetest spirits that we've ever talked to. Oh, yes. She, um, we have we have video footage too. She rolled the ball for us, and she touched our hands, and and like Daniel said, we actually had an EVP of her, and it says trapped in doll. Actually, one of the first times the spirit had ever grabbed a hole in my hand, and I tell you what, it was that night, and I played hide and seek with this little girl, and it was kind of creepy in a way playing <laughs> hide and seek with the spirit like that. But I tell you what, it was pretty interesting, you know. And, you know, the feeling that I got when, when I knew the spirit got a hold my, I knew because my hand was numb, literally numb, cold. My hairs, I got long hairs on my arms. My hairs were standing straight <laughs> up, goosebumps on my arms. But, you know, watching that ball move and finding out that there was a doll and we have, like, we have um, live, I have live imagery on my iOS. And um, I happened to capture the eye, eye movement on this doll. And there's this doll is only porcelain. It's not, right. it don't work under electricity. And the, the client, ironically enough, had picked it up at 
a flea market, and she'd owned it for about, I'd say about 15, 20 years, and she'd been having activity ever since she got it. She said that her feet would get touched, and she would, uh, the lights would go off, and um, interference on the TV, you know, those kind of things, kind of like a mischievous kind of play. And then uh, turned out, turned out, um, you know, we uh, we we um, in this scenario, we never really de- dealt with anything haunted doll wise. So we contacted some of the proper individuals in our field about about how to d- properly dispose haunted dolls, and um, got a hold of this person. And uh, I went to work the next day and got a hold of our client, and come to find out, she had uh, donated the doll to Salvation Army in our local Traverse City store. So. It's like somewhere in the community, there's a doll that's around, and you know we know, but you know it was quite. Um, <laughs> it was one of those things where it was like, oh no, and and I, I told the client, you know, that we we have to close the case, and I'm hoping, you know, that this this new family that's got this doll around here in the community can reach back a hold of us, if not the proper individuals, because. They've got a doll, but, I mean, it could do numerous things, but, you know, it makes our job a little bit harder. But we we, kind of, well, we did our job correctly, but it's really upsetting, you know, when, uh, when she went and did something kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, and if, you get, if, 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 if the people got lucky, because it sounds to me like it's not harmful in any right. way, shape, or form. You know, a lot of these things. Um, it's not really a matter of disposal sometimes, but more adaption to the situation. I know that I have a family that I still keep in touch with on the other side of Indiana that was one of our early cases. And, of course, I was just the interviewer on the case, so I didn't make the ending decision so that the listeners know. But they have a haunted object from a little boy that did pass away in the home, and it was a toy that his father gave him. His father left and eventually died of depression because his wife killed herself. Long story, but dates way far back. Um, But the boy died of tuberculosis in the home when his father was out selling things. And he's been waiting there ever since for a family. A family bought the home. Uh They renovated the attic. They found the toy that was a hand-carved horse, and she kept it. Well, it turns out the boy's attached to the hand-carved horse, obviously. Yep. Um, So that horse is still in their home. And they do – they remodeled the room, and he has plenty of toys, and they treat him for Christmas every year just like a part of the family. And every, oh, every huh? time I've talked to him, they say that, you know, it's it's a wonderful experience. I mean he's just a lost little boy, and he wanted a family. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It's amazing how science affects our job, you know, how, you know, we can – we I can have this – I got a WWE championship belt right in front of me, you know, and if I'm really attached to this item here. You know, my energy that I'm touching on it is already attached to this item here. And when I pass on later on in life, you know, my energy could be attached to this item. And knowing that, you know, wherever this item is at, my energy is always attached to it. So I could be at that dwelling or wherever it's at in the future. Well, it's actually kind of funny because in the the scientific world, there's no way to prove that. Right. so you have you have to kind of balance it. When you're in a position like I am, you have to kind of balance the two because there's no way to prove some of the claims that are out there. It's just not going to happen uh, right. at this point. Uh, you know, somewhere right. along the line, once we define what exactly a ghost is, as opposed to calling it a ghost, we may be able to do that. But right now, it's almost impossible. So you got to figure out how to weigh, especially when you're in residential, weigh what's really going on and how it affects the residents. 
and remove the science, but you still have to bring the science in when it's necessary. <laughs> right. Which, that brings up a good a good subject. There's um, a recent investigation of ours at another client's house um, was in a 125-year-old farmhouse. Undisclosed location in Kingsley, Michigan. Yeah, and uh, there was so much activity at this at this farmhouse. This this family moved in, and the father and the two teenagers were very open to believing, but the their stepmom was is super, 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 super skeptic. Like she's never, she's like, I've never seen nothing. I've never heard nothing. I, I, I don't believe in it, but she still believes in her husband and the kids. And the husband reached out to us and, and the kids had been having some pretty negative things going on and um, a bloody nose and his sleep. And, and the girl was um, pretty negative, negative, like uh, breaking out in anger fits for no reason and crying and, and just, like super emotional and, and they didn't they don't feel comfortable the in the family, upstairs of the house the family dog was afraid to go in the upstairs bedroom right so you know after we went over for our initial you know our walk through with the client um we met everybody and we talked to you know we talked to them and found out some of the actual emotional and and things that they're going through and i i don't think the parents even realized some of the emotional things that the kids have been going through so when you said that, you know, there's a lot of factors in play here, it's, it's, yes, they were having activity in this farmhouse, but it was because they were going through some emotional turmoil in their house, and that emotional turmoil was actually making whatever was in their house act up. Because we, we, we did a, a test in the house. If we stayed calm and talked nice and were happy and cheery, then the air in the house got real light and everything got kind of, you know, it felt good. But the minute that we started letting that negativity come over us and started getting, you know, kind of mad at each other and, and negative and angry, yeah, then the house just bad. elevated with the, the, the bad feelings and the negative feelings. So, yeah. So when you're dealing with, with clients, there's a lot on both sides. There's the, you know, they're emotional and then there's what's really going on in the house and, and the two can kind of combine and make something bigger than it really should be. So we've had to learn how to deal with clients talking to them like on a like a counseling basis <laughs> as well, you know, telling them, you know, this is what's going on in your house. But, you know, unfortunately, it's a 125 year old farmhouse and there's a lot of stuff here going on that, that we're never going to be able to clear it all out. We can help you make it better so that you guys can coincide and, and live together. And so we kind of told them, you know, you got to stay positive. You can't let a lot of emotions and drama into the house. If you start to hear something or feel something and it makes you feel uneasy, then just do something fun like music, um, cleansing, meditations, and stuff like that. And we uh we did several follow-ups with the family and they're listening to like everything that we tell them and thankfully they've reported that that everything is now calmer in the house it's more peaceful the dog has went upstairs since we've talked to him um nick can or the, the kid the kid can actually sleep in his room again um um the grandchild can go upstairs again the, the, the little grandchild was afraid to go upstairs so 
so yeah, when you're doing, when you're out there investigating, it's, it's more than just finding, you know, finding spirits and evidence. It's, you know, it's just, you have clients that actually kind of rely on you to help them through this. Well, no and you bring up work. a very valid point um, that I think a lot of people don't understand. I just spoke to Lance was, Lance Everhart was, and he's a wonderful guy, was on my show last week and he had a personal experience similar. And what a lot of people don't understand is um, sometimes you may not even physically have what you think is a ghost, but you have the reminiscence of what may have happened on the property. Uh, as a famous geologist friend of mine that studies up in Menominee has said many, many times, minerals themselves carry a lot of things. And one of the things that they're known to carry that he can't really scientifically explain, but you can feel it when you touch the rocks in specific areas, is um, emotion in itself. It's almost as if they are recorders themselves of specific energies and specific things, and they can reflect that. So you have all of that. You move into a home. You start something negative, and then the negative picks up on it. You create more negativity, and you don't know how to control that. It just keeps escalating and escalating and escalating, and eventually, through your own manifestation, bam, there are things here. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. And if you don't know how to control that, it just keeps getting worse, whether you, whether it yep. is a physical entity that feeds off of it, whether it's yourself that's created a physical entity that feeds off of it. Whatever it is, negativity is negativity, and the only way to get rid of it is to replace it with positivity. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I'm going to take a brief pause before we actually get into the second part of the show. You're listening to BBS Radio, ladies and gentlemen. BBS Radio is one of the largest digital radio stations here in the United States of America. If you're going to go with the best, I do encourage you to go with BBS. <clears throat> Excuse for the cough here. A very old friend of mine that I haven't talked to in, gosh, almost eight years is going to be in Columbus, Ohio, promoting his new movie as well as his new album because he's experimented with singing on and off throughout the years. John Cusick, I do encourage Whoa. you, if the tickets are not full, please check into it and go see him. He's a very wonderful gentleman. I'm hoping to sit down and have lunch with him while he's up here because I have not seen him in such a long time. So make sure you look him up online. He's going to be in Columbus, Ohio at the auditorium. And if you're here in Ohio and the tickets are not full, Buy a ticket. John's a wonderful guy. <laughs> awesome. Uh, now, in new news that we're about to talk about on the second half, which these two these was lady and gentleman. I couldn't. I shouldn't call you two gentlemen. This lady and gentleman <laughs> and gentleman is actually going to be participating in, including Generation Truth, myself, and several team members that I have cho chosen to go along with us during this process, are working on a new Amazon project called Truth and Legends across the United States of America. Now, Truth and Legends, I won't give you a lot of details tonight, but basically what it's designed for is each individual team participating is going to go to specific locations that are undisclosed until the show opens. And they're going to actually physically look into these locations in detail, including the history, any stumps they may run across that's given to them by the hosts, and the situations involved. And they're going to find out whether that particular area has any truth of being haunted or otherwise, or if it's simply a myth or a legend. Um, very amazing situation. We're going to jump back into talking to Jamie and uh, – Excuse me, Daniel, I apologize. I've got a bit of a cold this evening, guys. <laughs> hey, you're all uh, right. And, uh, and let them talk about how excited they are about it. Of course, we can't disclose locations yet, but we can talk a little bit about promoting it. Also, keep in mind that um, we will be airing in 2020 on Paranormal Journeys into the Unknown for one, I believe, possibly two episodes here at Generation Truth. You'll be seeing myself, Joe Myers, 
Um, I can't remember it. I think Joe Cole's even in there at one point or another. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. So, guys, let's talk about this a little bit. I know that you're not able to reveal your location because <laughs> none of us are allowed to tell each other about them. But uh, right. what do you think you're going to have in store when you go out there? What are you planning on doing as a part of your techniques? Well, um, we're working with a historical society out in our general area, and we're getting a community involved in it. It's a big project for our community, and hopefully our community can be more involved into it. Um, we're actually planning on having a membership here soon with the historical society out here in our area and uh, become members, and hopefully they can help us with a lot more information on our undisclosed location. Um, we've had... Uh, several investigations out here in the past and have come up with with uh, some great evidence out of it. Also, since you mentioned dowsing rods earlier, um, I've been a pendulum user most of my life, and I just ordered my first set of dowsing rods just for this. Awesome. Well, I know I'm excited about the show. Uh, oh, yeah. It goes it goes along with the show that um, at least our my portion my team's portion because Generation Truth is going to be picking many many different people from many many different avenues as a part of the teams that are highly professional individuals. Um, but we are doing a project that just got approved, so I can actually announce it now. I'm not going to tell you who it got approved from, ladies and gentlemen, yet because I don't have the permission to do so. But we are doing a story a set of stories it's only going to run about two years it's 20 episodes called bunker 20 the project files Um, and as a part of bunker 20 we're going to be covering many many things across the united states that i won't yet reveal but i will tell everybody think of it this way you you have a um i'm just going to call it a project blue book because that's famous on tv right now you have a project blue book in the ufos but you've never had a professional team of individuals that are actually fairly well known in their fields go out and investigate the whole thing from a logical side, a scientific side. Let's debunk this and then still have a handful of them possibly come back at the end of it and say, you know what, I can't. And that is what the project files are about. So you're going to see all kinds of things way beyond what normal people do in ghosts and Bigfoot and all this other stuff. We're actually going to be going on site right at the time that claims are there sometimes, and we're going to be walking in as a handful of people doing an investigation to logically debunk and solve the problem. And if you can't, bam, there you go. You've got something. And who knows? We may stumble across something unusual as all get out, a conspiracy. You may run across a dozen different things, but it's all going to be done live. <laughs> oh, there you go. That sounds interesting. Very wow. interesting. Well, I'm hoping so. Took a long time to pitch it. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting in the in the undisclosed location we're at because there's not a lot of known history in the location we're we're investigating at, and you know, it, you know, it the it, there's just so much history behind it, and also there's been a murder. Un, there's been a murder that's involved in the case that was arrested out in our area too. So. It's going to be quite interesting because she was arrested in this general location that we're going to be focusing on. Awesome. Well, I'm actually excited to work with all the teams a little bit and get to know everybody. I know Gavin's got, I think he said, 21 teams working with the project right now. Um, 
two this was created, in- ladies and gentlemen, by Gavin Kelly and Paula Purcell. They've been talking to Amazon for over two years about the project that they originally designed. Amazon helped them pick it up, uh, and it's going on, I do believe, in 2020. The first six episodes are going on, but I think it'll be an interesting project. I'm looking forward to just digging in. Most of the time when I go out into the field, it's for other people these days. I really haven't spent much time for myself and got almost four <laughs> <Right>. years. <laughs> It's gonna be quite interesting when we do ours, because I mean, we we just got a new um, new device in the mail sent to us from uh, Jeremy Jones of po- Paranologies. We want to thank Jeremy Jones and um, Dave Miller of ITC Legions um, for developing a great program, and we're gonna be using a little bit of ITC programs in our investigation and in our Poltercon PDA unit that we got. We also got received an Afterlight, so it's gonna be quite an interesting because it's going to be our first major investigation we're going to be using our PDA in. And it was also shown on, on Paranormal Lockdown with Nick Groff and Katrina Weidman. You know, it's quite yeah, I was going to say, I think got- uh, Dave Miller's actually going to be on a show this year briefly, I do believe, because of yes, that. I so. heard about that. <laughs> Pass off to Dave Miller. He's a great man, and he's really well-respected and quite knowledgeable. I haven't had the privilege of meeting him, but I follow everybody on Facebook, obviously, and most people know me, and and uh, and it's the same as everybody else, listeners, and, and even those that uh, uh, that are listening that aren't my regular viewers but maybe tuning in tonight. It's one of those things with all of us is either you love us or you hate us. Right. Well, hey, you know, we're we're a team all about peri-unity, and, uh, and they say it's kind of dying, but, you know, we're, we're always going to be about it, but... Right, and in April we are going, um, actually going downstate to meet up with a handful of other Michigan teams to do um, an outside investigation on Seven Gables Road in Dansville, Michigan. Um, Douglas Swix and Ann Lefebvre and um, Tim Ruhan and, you know, just a bunch of people. It was just like an open investigation for, like, anybody in Michigan that wanted to come and just kind of everybody meet up and, and do, like, a pari-unity thing and, get to know each other and have some fun. Well, more people should do that, actually. I mean, I understand where it broke apart. You have fame seekers. You have a lot of young teams that are misled. You have people like myself that's been in it for almost 30 years now that understand all the loopholes and they understand all the science and they understand that, look, I know you guys have only been in it for two or three years, but when you get to be my age, this is what you're going to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, and, and I know it frustrates the young people where I try to support them a little bit and say, hey, look, I get you're young. In fact, I envy you for being there. I envy those days. When I was <laughs> looking and didn't have the answers, it was a lot more fun than now, to be frankly honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But, um, you know, and I, the uni- unity kind of fell apart that way. Um, right. And it's good to actually do that from time to time because, uh, like I said, you know, when you get to a certain point, it ends up being one of two things. You either love the person or you hate the person. And trust me, I have a lot of haters, and I have no idea. <laughs> oh, you do. Um, but uh, uh, it, it, it becomes a consistent battle, especially over social media, that really doesn't need to be there because once you sit down yep. with most of these people, they're all nice. <laughs> right. Right. And my theory is that you can always learn something new from somebody else. Like you, you should never stop learning and – and growing your knowledge. We're, we're, I'm, I'm learning something new every day. That's what I have my ambition for, is learning something new about our field. I love my job dearly. love it more than anything in this world, other than my woman next to me here. <laughs> but 
paranormal well, tale brought me, me and Jamie love. <laughs> when you're dealing with the paranormal, there's no way to learn it all. It touches base on literally about 152 educational fields. Um, and then there's the metaphysical on top of that that's its own different field that is developed. There's so many things. And with new people coming in, the one thing that us old folks don't realize sometimes, and yes, I'm talking about all of us old folks, so the listeners listening, keep this in the back of your mind, (laughs) is sometimes these new people, and I've met some phenomenal ones that have only been in it for two years, three years. In fact, one of them is a partner of mine, that their mind is so fascinating. They have created some amazing technology, some amazing idealisms that I would have never thought of. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's always a chance to learn. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and hopefully, you know, maybe the younger generation can can be taught at a, you know, that's what I've been trying to do with my kids from the beginning is if you start allowing children to, like, express their own opinions on on the paranormal, then they don't, they don't have all these preconceived notions in their head and they're not closed-minded and they can actually reach out to their other senses and use them more efficiently than than a lot of you know us older people do i mean thankfully i was raised in a very open-minded house but i have friends that weren't that you know all of a sudden they're like oh hey well maybe we should start believing but then it's like it's hard for them because they've been raised their whole life to be you know don't believe in this and don't believe in that and that's taboo and you know so maybe the younger generation can be brought up and this is what you know i i try to instill in my kids and, and my grandkids, they're really young, but just let them be open-minded and let them make up their own minds about it. Just, you know, give them information, but let them let them decide. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. A lot of people uh, don't realize that um, you can balance all of this. Um, the the book that, uh, that I wrote, it's basically an educational volume, um, a set of three books called uh, Haunted History – then till now and all that does is cover the science but you can actually apply the real science and the real people that worked in the paranormal you can apply the metaphysical you can apply the new stuff and you can still learn all of this stuff can work together it's just many many people choose not to do that <laughs> right right <laughs> so uh, and the other there, locations, oh go ahead other locations that we got coming up for us, um, we got March 30th. We're going to be um, going in the Kalamazoo. We got the opportunity to investigate the haunted Hopkins house. And uh, we're going to be going down there. And uh, this going to be a quite of an interesting investigation down there. And um, got our lineup for the year. We got our schedule lined up for the whole year. So it's going to be a fascinating schedule we got. Yeah, I'm chasing witches this year. So that's my theme. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually it's actually digging into my ancestry is why I'm chasing witches. So <laughs> it's tougher to find in the northern areas, Michigan, Ohio. Um, though it is here in Ohio, there were several witches that were condemned here in Ohio. I do believe there were several areas in Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. There's some amazing stories out of Tennessee, and when you get to the south, but uh, it, it gets a little tougher here in the mid central northern right. area. <laughs> See, it's amazing, you know, not very many of the big paranormal investigators you hear come up this way in the Michigan, and there's a lot of places you can, you know, people don't realize they can go investigate, and it's free of charge, it's on state land, 
because I mean we're up here in northern Michigan. We're really big in the booming lumber industry back in the eighteen nineteen hundreds, and they would then up here in northern Michigan they they had to hire on the best lumberjacks in, that the, the whole nation had to offer. And it's like you know that's one of the big things up here, you know. And it's like there's a lot of history up here, and according and especially Mackinac Island, that's one of the places that we're going to possibly be going to this summer investigating what they uh, what's called the drowning pool out there where they supposedly um had killed a bunch of witches back in back in the 1700s when the Straits of Mackinac were owned by the British soldiers back in the revolutionary war era so uh, you got Fort Michilimack and got Fort Mackinac up there actually um Taps was up there and they did a show on ghost hunters up on Mackinac Island but I don't really know what locations they were at but that was the only well-known team we've had up here in northern Michigan, I want to say. But the history is just so fascinating. I think I remember the episode with Mackinac Island because uh, I wasn't on the B crew for that one. Um, <laughs> really? A friend of mine was. Yeah, I did the B crew. B crew does set, did set up for ghost hunters, ghost adventures, a lot of other things out here in the uh, state of Ohio. I did Ohio, Indiana, and several other areas when they were out there. I ran the B crew. Um, cool. But uh, – Somebody else did Michigan, and I remember watching the episode. <laughs> it was a great episode. I I really enjoyed it because I mean it was actually right up here in Michigan, you know, and and another place up here is Northern Michigan Asylum, you know. But but you see the Commons, they don't allow paranormal teams up here, but you know they understood that you know we're legit teams. Some of us and a lot of us follow by our state laws, but then again you get the people you know that go and vandalize the stuff and ruins it for people like us and trespasses and you know. It, it's crazy, but now they're going to be turning it into condos. Condos. <laughs> <laughs> when they won't, and and they've got it in their lease that they they that they're we're not allowed to investigate even even if the tenants want us to, they're not allowed to. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy because Northern Michigan um, Asylum was like one of the biggest hospitals that there was. I mean, this the, the grounds there are huge, and you can just walk. You can walk around. I mean, it's public. You can walk around and you feel you the, can feel it. You you feel the sadness. You feel the hurt. You feel but, the hate. You know, it, it's just an amazing feeling. Warp into history. But they, yeah, he's right. They are they're turning it into condos, and um, they even have one of the buildings for um, like senior citizens, uh, a community of them. And I actually have seen the lease stating that. They have to sign, and they say, and in their lease it says that they are not allowed to call in any paranormal teams and let them investigate into their house. Huh. <laughs> you know, that, that is almost silly, to be honest with you. I know. <laughs> exactly. There's only one building left that's abandoned. A couple of them only. Yeah. That's still abandoned, but still, uh, they're they're renovating those as we speak. I want to say. And, you know how uh, I would get around that? I rent one <laughs> of the places. exactly yeah there's no stipulation in that contract that i can't investigate it if i'm a part of a paranormal team so if i rent the place (laughs) good point good point good point (laughs) you know and that's another thing you know we got look at we got i get we get asked by people in our local community why don't you investigate this place i'm like okay well does anybody own it well it's under caldwell banker okay well that's kind of you know, kind of funny, you know, with us why asking, you know, a realtor, hey, we're paranormal investigators. 
we don't want to investigate this location. But then again, you know, the owners of residents that have haunted locations don't realize, you know, the amount of money they can make off of us paranormal teams. I mean, they, I mean, we all pay an arm and a leg as it is to go investigate certain areas. You know, a homeowner that buys a haunted location, they don't realize, you know, selling tickets per person, you know, they could be making a killing off of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been, the past four years, I've been looking for the best location to invest in. Uh, primarily because I don't want to go buying somebody somebody's place that says, oh, look, I have a haunted place. Do you want to buy it for $150,000? Well, you're just marking it up to say it's $150,000. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, there's a couple of them for sale here in, here in Fife Lake community, so I do know that are confirmed. I want to say that I've got a lot of people that have been in there in some of these homes, and they've said that they've seen some incredible activity in them, and one of them, they're afraid to even walk into a room. Nobody really walks in this one room in this one house I know of right down the road from us. Yeah, you know, a lot of the most haunted locations are areas or residents or places that uh, most people wouldn't even think were right. haunted. Um, and you get some outstanding activity out of them. It's just you don't think about going there. <laughs> right. Life Lake itself here is dated 1884, 80, 85, something like that. Something like that. I want to say it started booming in 1887. I do know that. But we had one um, big fire, and that actually happened in the in the neighboring um, town, Kalkaska. They hold the National Trout Festival every year. So I mean that that I mean when Willis Brower, Willis Brower actually built the first brick building here in Fife Lake, and that's what prevented the whole town from being on fire anymore. And that was the only fire in Kalkaska. I want to say had two big fires in its history, maybe three. I want to say I mean, somewhere in there, but. Since Willis Brower built the first brick building in 1887, Calcasta started building their brick buildings. And I want to say Willis Brower was the first one to build the brick buildings around here in this general location, in this whole area. And that's when, you know, fire stopped happening, basically, because the brick buildings were first built. And it's pretty interesting that Willis Brower did that. He owned a mortuary here in Fife Lake, and, and that's where Mary McKnight would uh, go and attend social events after her murders happened just to attend social events. This this lady here that we've been really interested and focused on in our investigations has been quite interesting. The strictly well, thing. Now, you guys, do you actually produce videos like most people and put them up on YouTube, or you, do you just investigate? We do. Um, we do both, Facebook and YouTube. Um of course, if we're going into a client's house, we have to get their permission to go, you know, to post any videos and stuff like that. But we do have, we do have a YouTube that we just started. But our, we've been going doing Facebook Live and putting our videos on Facebook. We've been having a problem trying to figure out how to edit them because I mean, I'm not, I'm that person that's trying to get focused. In the, and it's the first time I've ever had to deal with YouTube, and it's like dealing with all the editing and everything. I'm hoping, you know, <laughs> we we get. We've been, we've been bringing on some team members here lately. We're, we're in the process of looking at hiring on a few more people on our team already that's looking into joining us. And uh, we, it's, that's, that's been the hardest thing is figuring out how to edit our videos and everything. But once we get the editing down, 
I think we'll do pretty pretty great. I mean, I've been trying to figure out iMovie on my iOS program, and and it's, it's just been kind of hard, you know? Well, hey, I'll defend you there. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I collected uh, nine, ten thousand hours worth of video, and I have a little bit of video experience. Uh, done a lot of camera work throughout the years, and then I got some video programs, and I'm thinking, okay, well, this can't be too hard. Yeah, here I am about <laughs> almost a year later, and I've gotten through roughly almost all of it. Now I'm at two thousand hours worth of video that's not done. But I'll tell you what, I screwed up many, many times with many, many programs just figuring out how to create an intro. Yeah, you see the the pro video the the video program and the software program I was you know introduced in in school was Windows ninety eight and Windows XP and now we got what what is it now I I, I lost track on Windows <laughs> programs now and I don't well, even I'm know a, I'm a big I, I learned on Adobe products so I know Adobe Photoshop pretty well because I'm an artist I know a lot of those programs but. I stopped working with them about six or seven years ago, so now you try to get into the programs. Now, yeah, they don't work the same. <laughs> MS-DOS. MS-DOS. It's ancient now. Now, I, I, eventually with all the video, I just decided, hey, look, I'm going to subcontract all this out. I'm gonna, I am gonna. got a new project coming in. I'm going to hire somebody that that's all they do is they edit and so forth and say, look, you can have a percentage of the sales. We'll attach your name to the credits. We'll do all of this. So all of the video is going to be shipped off here in the next month or two, and I'm just going to let them do their work and send it over, and I'll tell them whether I like it or not. But, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I didn't want to do that because that costs money. <laughs> right, right. But uh, you got to do what you got to do, and you're sitting on all this stuff and going, okay, we're on a project design where I'm supposed to have something out here in a year to two years, and I've got an intro in about three hours done out of 14 episodes. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta, sometimes you just got to throw in that white flag and admit defeat. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, all of our videos may not be perfect, but I mean, you know, it's just one of those things that we're learning as we go on, you know, and as much as I fart around with uh, with editing and everything, you know, but, I mean, they may not be the best in the world, but, hey, you know, whatever brings our supporters and our followers to us, you know, and that's the greatest thing in the world. That's what keeps us going is our supporters are the people that, you know, keep on coming to our page and like and, like and comment on our posts and everything. Yeah, the people that a lot of the people that follow us are, you know, a lot are local and we do, you know, we go to the cemeteries and stuff around here and they like us to go live because they actually like participate and tell us, oh, I just seen something over in your right corner. Or, I just seen something behind this person or so they, they kind of like to participate in our in our live videos and stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's been a it's been a long journey, you know, I mean, 10 years. I mean, we're looking at us right now and look how far we come, you know, and. My first investigation, you know, I mean, looking back at my first ever investigation and seeing how far I've come, <laughs> how far we've all come, you know, it's it's amazing in a way. And one of those things, you know, I've I've also, you know, followed you all the whole way, Chris, and you, know, <laughs> and, you know, it's like, it's like one of those things, you know, we look back and it's like, wow, the, all the times have come and everybody that's watched us grow and all that stuff, it's amazing. And it's yeah, it takes you know, a process. I mean, you got to be dedicated, really. I've been, I think I've been on air for almost four years. I've been doing this for almost eleven years on social media, and I've been in it for twenty-three years. And uh, it is an amazing process. It it takes a long time of 
of growing and developing and eventually you get to the point to where you're surprised because you walk into a gas station and one day they go, hey, I know you. <laughs> we get that already. Walk into uh, Walmart, Meyer. And- that's the good thing about, I mean, Traverse City is pretty, a pretty, you know, a decent sized population. But um, that's the, the people around here are starting to like be more open minded to it, which is really great because Traverse City is kind of a snooty town. I love it to death, but it's a snooty town. And actually, I was in Plato's Closet last week, and a girl came up to me, and she was like, hey, you're a medium, aren't you? I follow your page. <laughs> there you go. So I'm just saying, Fife Lake, Cal- between Fife Lake, Kalkaska, Manton, South Forum, and the surrounding communities here in Fife Lake, the population is under, I want to say, 5,000, Jamie? Not Traverse City. but Not Traverse City, but the surrounding areas. But yeah. Traverse City, I want to say, is below, uh, I want to say, what, 50,000? Something like Something that. like that, 100,000 up in Traverse City itself. And every year they hold the National Cherry Festival. That's where another way we come up with our name is, I mean, they consider Traverse City chair capital of the world. So, Well, I can That's relate true. with you a little bit. Uh, Mount Gate here in Ohio is a smaller town, and now virtually everybody in the town knows what I do. When I first started <laughs> broadcasting out of here, it was kind of a hush-hush thing, but as I grew yep. and hit some of the AM stations and so forth, now everybody in Mount Gate knows who who and what I do for the most part. Um, they just kind of – I'm kind of that uh, – I, how do you put that? I hate to say the joke because it's not a joke. I'm just kind of like the unspoken guy that, yep, that's the paranormal guy. <laughs> yeah, and it, 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 I mean, I mean, we're all, I mean, our whole community, you know, I mean, how close we are in the like community. Where it's like some way we're all, you know, family in some sort in a way. I mean, I, I walk into our grocery store and I talk to somebody I've never even talked to before and it comes out. But they're my cousin, you know, because they're related to some person in my family. It's like I'm scratching my head. Okay, well, wow, well, how did this happen? You know what I mean? But you know, it's a, it, we're, it's that's the thing. You know, we're all linked together in some way in our little community here in Fife Lake, and everybody. And you know, once the once the word catches on, and it was really hard for me to get the word spread around here in Fife Lake, as small as the community is. Still, I mean, it's the fact that you got to gain that trust in your community and they have the community trust you as well. Cause they don't know if you're going to go on their property and, you know, damage or trespass or, you or know, if you're fake or if, or if you're, you're fake, you know, correct. in it for fame or, and it's, and you know, and it's amazing that it will take you 10 years, but you know what? In that 10 years, you know, I've learned quite a bit. And well, takes 10 years just to learn. I tell people the first five years is learning. After the fifth year, you realize you made a mistake. You got five more years that you learn. By about 10 <laughs> years out, you actually know a little bit about what you're doing. Then in <laughs> 10 more years, you go, I didn't know anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's well, uh, talk about it here in the last couple of minutes of the show. Let's talk about uh, your website or your p- Facebook page so that they can find you. Okay. Um we are Cherry Capital Shadow Seekers on Facebook. Um, what are we on? Well, we uh, we on our on our Facebook page. We do have a link to our website. Yep. Um, we're part of the. Uh, if you go log on to Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers um, Facebook page, we also um, have a link on their page on Cherry Capital Shadow Seekers. You can go to our website, email us by that way, and if anybody needs any help paranormalize on their um, in their. Uh, properties or we are on on youtube as cherry capital shadow seekers youtube we got youtube cherry capital shadow seekers we have a twitter account cherry capital shadow seekers 
at Cherry Seekers. At Cherry Seekers, yeah. At Cherry Seekers on Twitter. We also got Instagram, Cherry Capital Shadow Seekers there. As I say again, there's a link on our Facebook page. We usually keep keep track of Facebook quite more than anything. So a better way of getting a hold of us would be through email. We have our email on our Facebook page as well as our website, you know, and uh, there, there's there's ways of getting a hold of us through that too. So, Well, and there you have it, listeners. A little bit of a slight note. we got a great guest coming next week. I'm not going to discuss who the guest is yet, but I do encourage you to tune in here every Sunday. I made a promise to a few people that work on a – TV show that I was going to announce the fact that pay attention to Supernaturals episode 300 a man I admire is returning John Winchester and it's going to be a very 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 emotional situation for the Supernatural crew because they haven't had a chance to actually meet up with Jeffrey Dean Morgan since he started as Negan and Jeffrey if by chance and sheer luck you're listening I want to get you on the show because I love you man (laughs) and a little bit of a slight note on a sad note and though I won't give the name because it really doesn't matter the model for Rocket the Raccoon for Guardians of the Galaxy passed away today so RIP for the model that created one of the most funny cartoon characters and one of the most funny actual characters on Guardians of the Galaxy Um, You've been listening to Paranormal Truth and Reality. I'm going to close the show as I do every single week, and that is in the paranormal. Getting back down on a positive note a little bit, truth should always be that reality. As you're noticing each and every week, and as I tell everybody, there is a fit for every bit of the paranormal, whether it be the metaphysical and the more theological or whether it be the scientific and so forth. There is room for all of it here. Too many times – too many places on social media and otherwise you see those fights and you see people say well you're going to be sorry at the end of your life because you didn't find a ghost or you're going to be sorry at the end of your life because you didn't look for a ghost or you didn't look for a ufo or whatever that is and here's a fact ladies and gentlemen you know what i've been doing this for 30 years and i am not sorry of every single bit of what i've done have i found something that i can bring to the scientific community that's 100 percent proof no i have not but that's not what it's about What it's about is the community. What it's about is the journey. What it's about is the education, and what it's about is the search. As you're learning now, you met one team that's going to be doing that. Let's continue to do that as you're working. We'll let you off here. Have a very good weekend. Tune in next weekend. That's our show.